Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special welcome to any guests or visitors we have this morning. And a happy Father's Day to all of the fathers that we have here. That is a very blessed vocation. Uh, that alongside the gift of mothers. And God gives us that uh, very great gift indeed. That estate of the family. Well we are now in the ordinary time of the church year. And so you see everything is in that color of green now. A color of life and of growth which we have in and through Christ's word and sacrament. And so for this first Sunday after Trinity, uh, we have before us uh, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And for, so for greater detail on the readings this day, I'll turn your attention to that focused on Christ section on the inside of the back cover of your bulletin. When the beggar Lazarus died, he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, for he was truly Abraham's seed. Like Abraham, he believed in the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. The name Lazarus means God is my help. The unnamed rich man, on the other hand, did not love and trust in God, for he evidently cared little for the beggar at his gate. And he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen, as we are told in the epistle. He who loved and trusted in possessions and prestige died and was in the torments of Hades. Repentance and faith, they're worked only through Moses and the prophets. That is the word of God, for appoints us to Christ. Only through his death and resurrection are we brought the comfort of life everlasting. And we will rejoice in that comfort of life everlasting as we receive it in the Lord's body and blood this day. And we do ask then, in accordance with our Lord's word, that we be united. That is, one loaf, as we hear in 1 Corinthians, uh, and therefore united in our doctrine, not just in what we believe about the supper itself, uh, but in the whole of our Christian doctrine. Therefore, we ask that all those joining us this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And, of course, we look forward to that day when Jesus returns and all divisions will then cease. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 3 as it begins on page 184. We now sing the first hymn. O God, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers. And because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us your grace to keep your commandments, that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday after Trinity is taken from Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The epistle is from 1 John chapter 4. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. mercy and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our sermon text this day comes from the Gospel lesson Luke 16, 31. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Well, dear saints, today's Gospel lesson is a comparison. It's a comparison of what's inside and what is outside. A comparison of hidden faith and revealed works. So also Christ's hidden church and the outwardly visible works of this world. In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, our Lord Jesus explains this comparison in a way that's really pretty straightforward. It's easy to understand. However, it is also very profound as you dig into it. It has a powerful effect on the way that we understand the world, the Christian church, and the faith that is given to us as baptized children of God. So what exactly are we dealing with here in this parable? Well... Let's take a look and find out, shall we? 
as soon as I find my place again, I'll, I'll do that. There we are. <laughs> On the outside, according to human reasoning, the rich man, he seems to have everything. I mean, think about it. He has all the wealth and abundance and likely great influence in the community that a person could ever want. I mean, he's the guy, right? You look at him and you go, this is what you want. This is how you want, how you want your life to be. But Lazarus, on the other hand, is the opposite. He has nothing according to outward worldly appearances. At least he has nothing like the rich man has, right? By human reasoning, the rich man, he would seem to be blessed by God. Isn't that just the way we think about things? Someone has all the worldly stuff and we go, oh, God loves them. But someone that seems to struggle, we think that God must not love them for some reason. It's strange. That's not how scripture gives it to us. And so then Lazarus, he seems to be cursed. But there again, that's how it seems on the outside. Now, Lazarus' life is a complete and utter mess. I mean, you look at it, his health is terrible. He's destitute. He's hungry. He desires just to eat the crumbs that fall off of that rich man's table. In fact, his situation is so dire and pathetic that the neighborhood dogs, they run around looking for Lazarus, and they know right to find him because they come and they lick his sores. Lord, have mercy. In the eyes of the world, there's no question as to which man is in the better position. But you've got to remember, dear Christians, that our Lord, he would not have us look at things in this way. He wouldn't have us look at the outside, but what is hidden underneath the obvious. And when we do that, we find that poor Lazarus, he's the one that had the thing that was most needful, most important. He had saving faith in the one true God. To be precise, God had given him saving faith by his holy word, by Moses and the prophets. This very same God is the one who forgives sin and gives eternal blessings which this world could never give. And quite frankly, blessings which this world does not value. Hidden underneath all that dirt and filth, all those sores, the hunger, the fear, and the pain, was faith in the promised Messiah, the promised Savior to come. That gift of faith is something only God can give, and he does it by means of his word and his spirit. Means which, by the way, have never changed. By the way, have you noticed that the rich man, he's just called the rich man. He's not given a name at all. It was picked up on this in the summary that we had of our readings today. He's unknown to heaven. He's just simply the rich man, right? Hey, look, there goes that rich guy. That's about it. Lazarus, on the other hand, he is known and he is great in heaven. No matter what the outward appearance is, the reality is that the rich man is ultimately poor, and the poor man is ultimately rich. He's rich beyond our comprehension. And it's more than just literary irony. It's the truth of how things are. Lazarus had the one thing needful, and therefore had riches beyond imagining. And you know what? That's just how it is with you, dear Christians. The one true God has revealed himself to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We marveled at this mystery last week as we confessed the Athanasian Creed. And if we don't grasp it by reason, that's okay, because it is a holy mystery. But God has nonetheless revealed himself to you in his holy word that you might have life and have it more abundantly through faith in his Son. See, this one true God has bound himself to you in holy baptism as he placed his triune name upon you and gave you every gift of his kingdom. And he comes to you this day in his holy supper to give you more of the same. Not because the baptism didn't take, but because that's how he loves you. He continually lavishes his gifts upon you in word and sacrament. He has given all things to you in his son Jesus Christ, the very same Savior to which Lazarus clung in faith. And just like Lazarus, God knows your name. 
And these gifts from God to you, they're all that you need. All that you need to reach your heavenly home. The place Christ has prepared for you with Abraham and all the saints. You know, something we really must never forget is this. That these gifts of God, and you know, we hear this list all the time in the catechism, but it's because this is how the Bible conveys it to us. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. These are hidden gifts. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it means that you can't touch them in the same way that you grab the hymnal in front of you or get a cool drink of water on a hot day such as today. You can't grab hold of these gifts the same way you do your bulletin or the food that you're going to eat later on at lunchtime. You cannot go down to home savings and loan and deposit the forgiveness of sins the same way that you do your paycheck. It just doesn't work that way. Dear saints in Christ, the life God gave to Lazarus and also then withheld from the rich man is not the good life that so many people are feverishly striving to lay hold of in this world. And as for salvation... Well, that's a hard thing to grasp, is it not? I mean, think about it. How do you describe in terms of concrete things that we can lay hold of and see and taste and touch and feel? How do you describe what it means to be saved from sin, death, and hell? To be delivered from Satan and from the final judgment that this sinful world will face on the last day? These gifts of God, they are hidden. Indeed, Christ Jesus himself is hidden from our earthly eyes. We cannot see him, but make no mistake about it. He is truly here, but only visible to faith. Let he who has eyes to see, see. Let he who has ears to hear, hear. For Christ's church also is hidden from this world, seen only by those who know what it is and where it is. For example, if you're just to go out on the street here, one of those busy days when we actually have folks wandering around and doing their business and you just ask someone on the street where the church is, well, they're likely going to point you to a building, right? Or it's possible that they might say that the church is some kind of club, some social group or society, a service organization, etc., etc. However, the church, or the truth rather, is that Christ's church is something else and somewhere else. If you were to reference the Augsburg Confession. One of the documents which make up the Lutheran Confessions, essentially a big Bible study as to what it is that we believe, teach, and confess as Christians. You would receive a simple, biblical, faithful explanation as to who and what the church is. Article 7 of the Augsburg Confession, it says this. It says that the Christian church is the congregation of saints, the gathering of believers where the gospel is purely taught and the holy sacraments are rightfully, that is faithfully administered according to the word of God. In other words, when we attempt to locate the church, we don't look finally at the people. After all, some may be believers, while others may be total hypocrites, masquerading as believers. Jesus teaches us about this clearly in Matthew 13 with the parable of the wheat and false wheat or the wheat and tares. Determining who is and who is not a genuine believer in Christ, that's something we cannot do. We're not God. As fallen human beings, we cannot judge men's souls. We don't look at uncertain things. Rather, we look to where God has promised to be found for our good in his word and sacraments. Folks, you hear me say it all the time, but it really is simple. God has chosen means by which he abides with us, and he delivers to us all that Christ has won on the cross. And these means are his word, absolution, holy baptism, and the holy supper of his body and his blood, which we will receive this day. Therefore, whenever, wherever the word of God is purely taught and the sacraments of Christ are administered according to that word, 
There you'll find Christ's church. Another biblically faithful way of thinking about this comes to us from a theologian named Martin Chemnitz. He's often called the second Martin because he came after Martin Luther. In fact, it's also said that we wouldn't know who Martin Luther is were it not for Martin Chemnitz because of all the work he did in preserving what Luther had began. Anyway, he explained the church in this simple way. He said, the church consists on those who preach the word of God and those who faithfully listen to preaching. Stated even more simply, where God's word is, there Jesus is. And where Jesus is, that's where the church is. You see, that's what the rich man and those like him can never understand. The rich man could not understand that faith was not something that he could create or conjure up within himself. It's not something that we manufacture. It's something that God gives to us by means of his word and spirit. So also, true faith is not the product of some intense emotional experience or a spiritual spectacle that man has engineered somehow. Indeed, Jesus tells us this in the gospel lesson when he says that even someone rising from the dead is not enough to create saving faith. It's not how it works. Now, I realize the second Sunday of Easter, that was a while ago, but think back to Thomas, the one that gets a bad rap, but really we're probably very much like him ourselves. Okay? Think back to the second Sunday of Easter. Because it was not enough for Thomas to see the wounds in Jesus' hands and side, if you remember. It was only when Jesus told Thomas to examine the wounds. And then he said to him, he spoke his word, do not disbelieve, but believe, that then Thomas believed. Faith is created and sustained by the word of God. And Jesus echoes this teaching through the apostle Paul when he writes that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So let's be Lutheran. What does this mean, right? Where do you put your trust? If you put your trust in what you can see or feel, you're going to be very disappointed. If you put your trust in those you see around you, you're going to be frustrated because just like you, they're sinners and sinners going to sin. Dear saints, if if your trust is in people, you'll be disappointed. That is why at times I'm a disappointment to you because just like you, I'm a sinner. All pastors are. We need the very same gifts that we deliver to Christ's people. And so it begs the question, where does our Heavenly Father direct your confidence? To Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, faith is never focused merely on itself. There is no faith in faith, although the world does teach such nonsense endlessly. You see, faith always has an object, and that object is Jesus Christ and him crucified and resurrected for sinners. Faith always clings to Jesus, and Jesus comes to you by his chosen means so that you would have no doubt, so that there is no questioning. He comes to you in the preaching of his word, holy baptism, the absolution, and the holy supper of his body and his blood. That is where Jesus is. Why? Because that's what he says. A lot of folks want to say you can't put God in a box. Well, God has chosen to put himself in some boxes for us, and it's for our benefit. The first box, if you will, was the manger. And now he continues to come to us in his word and sacraments. By these God-chosen means, your sins are forgiven. Your soul, it is comforted, and salvation is given. The church is found where the word of God is rightly taught and preached, and the sacraments of Christ are rightly, faithfully administered. But lest we forget... The church is hidden to all but the eyes of faith. The church may appear to be near death. Honestly, folks, we don't look that impressive by worldly standards. In fact, we look a whole lot like Lazarus. But nonetheless, we have the one thing that is most needful. We have Jesus. We have his word. 
his gifts. We have his salvation. You see, beneath those rags, as with the rags of Lazarus, lies God's most treasured possession, his holy bride, his church. That's you, dear saints. Therefore, when you hear this parable, God is giving you his holy word to trust so that when your life is rocked by the winds and waves of adversity, when doubts and fears assault you, and they will, they do, you have God sure and certain promises that as you hold to him, he holds to you in Christ Jesus. God's promises are unshakable promises. As the prophet Isaiah said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. God's promises to you, dear saints, in Christ Jesus is that he will finally take you home just as the angels carried Lazarus to his soul to heaven. By the power of the Spirit, your Heavenly Father, he has given you saving faith in Jesus. And so you too are sons and daughters of Abraham. He continues to strengthen this faith by the same means that he used to create it in the first place, his blessed word and sacraments. And this faith given for this life it will last unto eternity, as your Heavenly Father will one day take you to your eternal home, the place that he has prepared for you and all his saints. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, amen. Let us pray. O Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that like Abraham we may believe your promises to us in Christ, and may it be counted to us for righteousness. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God, you have given Matthew our synod president, Lee our district president, and Glenn our circuit visitor, and our pastor, so that we may hear Moses and the prophets, and so be convinced by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Make their proclamation fruitful among us, that we may not fall into the torments of Hades, but be carried by the angels to Abraham's side in heaven. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God, from whom all fatherhood is named, we give you thanks for earthly fathers. Give them confidence in their station and zeal for their task to care for their families faithfully. Make them examples to their children of godly life and love of your word. Bless their work of bringing up children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. And give to them the comfort of your absolution over all their shortcomings. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord God, your word teaches that a great army cannot save the king and a war horse is a false hope for salvation. Grant that our nation would not put its hope in the strength of our warriors, but in you. Bless and keep those who serve in our military and use them as your arm to guard and to deliver us from all our enemies. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God, uphold Ron Lyon, Ron Gibson, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, and all who suffer in body or mind. Be their help and their shield, and remind them of the great reward you have prepared for them in Christ Jesus. Grant them health and healing in accord with your perfect will, and sustain their faith in you. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. O Lord God, give repentance and faith to all who come to your altar this day that we would not come seeking sumptuous earthly food, but that we would discern your true body and blood for the forgiveness of sins and receive it in the unity of a true confession. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. 
O Lord God, you have granted to Abraham more descendants than the stars and that great multitude who shine in the glory of your presence. Make us his heirs also by faith, and so bring us at last to rejoice with him eternally before you. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we implore you to rule and govern our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may not, like the rich man, hear your word in vain and become so devoted to things temporal that we forget things eternal, but that we may serve those who are in need readily and according to our ability, not defiling ourselves with carousing or pride. In trial and misfortune, O Lord, keep us from despair and let us trust in your fatherly help and grace, that in faith and Christian patience we may overcome all things. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks be to God for good hymnody. All right. So announcements as we uh, continue on with this morning, of course, Sunday school, Bible study right after worship. Uh, Monday, we have our Easter. Uh, Easter. Well, we kind of always talk about Easter and that we talk about Jesus is risen. But uh, the Esther Bible study is tomorrow at 1.30. Uh, Tuesday, June 21st, we have our new member class at 7. And then Wednesday, again, note the date change. It's the same time, but it's a different day of the week. Uh, Wednesday, our Lutheran Confession study group at 9 a.m. And uh, the group has uh, decided, we kind of discussed it together, we're going to meet every Wednesday through the rest of the summer as long as I'm not gone. It is conference season, so I have continuing education coming up in July and then a family vacation late uh, in the month of July also. So there'll be two Wednesdays we don't meet. But otherwise, uh, every Wednesday for the rest of the summer at 9 a.m., the Lutheran Confession Study Group will meet. So please uh, feel free to join us for that. And then also at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, workout class at, uh, uh, in the auditorium. Well, today is finally the day. The North Star Boys concert is this evening at 7 p.m. A special thanks to all of our hosts, uh, to all of our volunteers who have uh, been planning and uh, anticipating this. Uh, we look forward to it. It's, I think it's going to be wonderful. Uh, so 7 p.m. is the concert this evening. They'll arrive this afternoon, and uh, we'll continue to make preparations for that. Also, a salad supper at Faith Lutheran in Richmond um, on June 23rd at 6 p.m. Uh, they do ask that you RSVP. They want you to do that by today, if possible. Please make contact uh, there. And then also there'll be a... Um, carpool meeting here at Trinity on the 23rd at 515 if you'd like to ride together with some friends. Uh, also, we've been contacted by St. Paul Lutheran Church in Slater, Missouri. They're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the ordination of uh, the Reverend uh, Walter Snyder. Uh, that celebration service is at 3.30 p.m. on July the 10th, and there will be a reception following. Uh, also, uh, six days from now, we have our Lutheran Early Response Team training that's coming up. Um, a reminder that you do have to uh, register for that, and it's a two-step registration process. So you'll go to the website that's listed here in the bulletin, create an account, and then you'll need to confirm that you're coming to the event here. Um, it's really very straightforward. If you've ever created an online account, um, it'll be very similar to that process. If you need help, I'm happy to help you. So also is Kyle Durham. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there. I think it's going to be a, a great event also. Uh, preparing for ways that we can love and serve our neighbor when the worst does arrive. And also, Theology on Tap is back for the month of June. Uh, June 28th, women will meet at 7 p.m. And ladies, please pick up your new book. I have them in my study. I'm happy to bring some with me to Bible study if you'd like to grab one there. Uh, but pick up that new book uh, that we'll be uh, reading through and studying. 
And then also Thursday, June 30th at 7 is Men's Theology on Tap. We'll be continuing uh, with the Ninth and Tenth Commandments and Luther's Large Catechism. So men, if you want to read ahead, please go ahead and do that. That will aid our discussion. Uh, that brings me to the end of our announcements that I had here beforehand. Anything I may have missed? Of course, also we give thanks to God for the beautiful roses that we have up there. I believe we're celebrating a wedding anniversary, are we not? That was last week, uh, but we have them this week also. Yes? Yes. All right. Uh, the cruisings. Happy anniversary. God's blessings to you. Um, well, with that being said, happy Father's Day again to all of our fathers. I'll greet you at the door.